Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Exploring Faith, the podcast series from the Salvation Army in Morley. If you want to hear more from us, all of our services are streamed live at 10.15 every Sunday on both Facebook and YouTube. Just search Morley Salvation Army. And we've talked about being released like uh, coiled springs to our Jerusalems, our Judeas, our Samarias, and to the ends of the earth. We've been reminded that Jesus gave us the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, and that mission is possible, even in this strange time. We've thought about the role of a disciple. It's not an easy one. And last week we thought about being welcomed into different places and Jesus being welcomed too. Today we finish off with treasures in clay jars. The ordinary paper cup that held our best drink this morning. These ordinary paper cups that illustrate to us that we are very ordinary people. We are all vulnerable in some way. We all sin in some way. As I said earlier, none of us, I think, are rich or famous as the world would see rich or fame. But God places his treasure within us, if you like, an ordinary paper cup. And he places his treasure within us as he blesses us with the gift of the Holy Spirit to do extraordinary things with him. So let's look at that Bible reading that Wayne read for us earlier on. It started with a therefore. So we just need to check what the therefore relates to in the previous chapter. In the previous chapter, Paul writes of the new covenant of the New Testament. The ministry we have through God's mercy is the ministry of the new covenant that is brought about through Jesus. The veil has been taken away, is taken away when we turn to the Lord, and the Lord's glory is revealed, no longer veiled. The beauty, the glory of God is seen. The promised Holy Spirit brings about transformation into the image of God, the verses at the end of the previous chapter tell us. And we have this ministry. We proclaim this transformation and Though scripture reveals and experience tells us it's not easy work, we shouldn't lose heart. We do not lose heart, Paul writes. Paul doesn't say we must not lose heart. He's assertive in his writing and says we do not lose heart. The message paraphrase beautifully paraphrases it when it says we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. For those of you that joined with us on Monday evening for our online reflections, you will have been reminded that we are God's chosen ones. He has called us. We have responded and we have a responsibility to to take the message of salvation that we have received to our fallen broken, desperate world that is crying out to be saved but still lives in a place where the veil is down and therefore cannot see the glory of life with God within the veil. 
It's a well-known fact, I think, that the church in the, in the Western world is largely in decline. The Salvation Army across Europe is largely in decline, yet the population of those areas is growing. And I believe, as I've said many times in recent months, that there is a sense of people searching for something. Those people, you know, may not even know what they're searching for. Friends, what have we done about that in the past? What are we doing about that now? And what can we do about it as we look to the future? Well, there are three things in this passage that we read earlier that we're going to consider this morning. Things to make us think. Hopefully things to make us want to do something about this. The first thing we're going to look at is the the blindness of the unbeliever, as the phrase was used within the Bible reading this morning. The second thing, as you'd expect, when the theme is treasures in clay jars, is treasures in clay jars. And the third thing is simply speak out. Verse 4 to 6, we read earlier, says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. The God, small g, of this age... Paul writing here, 2,000 years ago, calls Satan the evil one, the one who schemes and attacks. He calls him the God of this age, 2,000 years ago. Here we are in 2020. Satan is still, for many, the God of this age, who has blinded the minds of the unbelievers for Over 2,000 years, people have been looking in the wrong direction. The attractive rubbish from the evil one that has people believing that he can satisfy their deepest needs and desires is far from the truth. The devil has and still continues to blind the minds of the unbelievers, making what the world believes is success, money, power, possessions, fame, the measures for life. That, you know, is the worst kind of fake news ever. And these measures, as Paul writes in the second part of verse 4, they hide the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The believer, however, knows that life, that true life that comes from God, who sent his Son into the world so that we may have life and have it to the full. So what is it that stops that message of what is true life getting into every home across this country, across this town, across where you watch from this morning? Perhaps verse 5 may help us to answer that question. Verse 5 says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Herein, you know, may lie the problem. Perhaps, and bear with me for a moment, the church, 
that is the people, not the building, as we've been reminded so many times in recent months. Perhaps the church has got this in the wrong order. Perhaps we've turned it into, for what we preach is not Jesus Christ as Lord, but ourselves. Maybe. A few weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday, we heard again that familiar story of how the church universal started in a wonderful way. But over the years, humankind has disagreed with each other over many different things. And within the church, there became schism. Schism is a split or division between strongly opposed sections or parties caused by differences in opinion or belief. And through these schisms, the God of this age has continued to get a stranglehold on the world, pointing out to the unbeliever all that is wrong with religion and the church over many centuries. And the church has actually lived up to that billing, has been a place of hurt, has been a place of hypocrisy, has been a place of double standards and ill feeling. So many denominations have split into other denominations for the most minute in the grand scheme of things, disagreement on doctrine and other matters. And those denominations have been so wrapped up in this that they have appeared to, forgot, to have forgotten why the church exists anyway. Inadvertently, therefore, helping the God of this age to do his work. We preach Christ, not ourselves. And as servants of Jesus, we do it for Jesus' sake. The church is in a spiritual battle against the God of this age, yet it appears to many that the church is happier to fight internal battles whilst allowing spiritual battles to go unfought. The devil is at work. And until the church, and we are part of that universal church, preach not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and consistently and unashamedly preach that message, people will continue to be blinded by the devil and will not see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. The message paraphrase says, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the Master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus. God has entrusted us with the responsibility of taking his message to the world. The great commission of Jesus in Matthew 28, we thought about that a couple of weeks ago. That tells us about the great commission there. And here in verse 7, Paul refers to us as jars of clay fallible, frail, vulnerable human beings entrusted to take the treasure, that valuable, eternally valuable message of salvation through Jesus Christ to the world. That's what we're entrusted to do. Tom Wright, in his commentary on this passage, tells this story. I share it with you now. Shortly after the Second World War, Sir Oliver Franks was the British ambassador to the United States. This was around the time of the Cold War and the setting up of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. As the ambassador, he was in touch often on a daily basis 
with the president on the one side of the Atlantic and the prime minister on the other. He was the confidant of some of the most powerful people in the world. He frequently needed to get urgent, important and top secret messages to and fro between Washington and London. It was far too risky to make telephone calls. The line was almost certainly bugged. There was a diplomatic bag which went to and fro each day, bringing confidential documents by air across the Atlantic. That was the method he used for most of his important and confidential messages. But when something was really confidential, utterly top secret and desperately urgent, he wouldn't trust it to a bag which everybody knew was important. He would put it in an ordinary envelope and send it through the regular mail. I find that amazing. Highly sensitive, top secret information sent in an ordinary secret envelope through the regular post. Paul in verse 7 writes, we have this treasure, this message of Jesus Christ as Lord in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What Paul is saying is that there is no chance of anyone confusing the content of the envelope with the very unremarkable envelope itself. The messenger is not important. What matters vitally and urgently is the message. Tom Wright says, God's double bluff, as it were, to deceive the powers of the world is like the ambassador's double bluff to deceive potential enemy agents. The treasure is within this unremarkable envelope. These unremarkable envelopes that are watching today. These clay pots these fragile, breakable, disposable message runners and the treasure is what matters. We preach Christ. As the message paraphrase says of verse 7, if you only look at us, you may well miss the brightness. Paul, at the start of this letter to the Corinthians, has already talked about the pressures that he and his colleagues were under when they were in Asia. Chapter 1, verse 8 says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Here in the verses we read this morning, Paul writes, Lorna referred to them earlier, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, perplexed even, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We're in a spiritual battle against the God of this age. It is going to be tough. We will feel like we are under great pressure, far more than we have the ability to cope with. We will feel hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, 
but the treasure that is in this clay jar will not let us down. We will not be crushed. We will not despair. We will never be abandoned. We will never be destroyed because we are Jesus' followers. And therefore God is on our side and we will have the victory when the battle is over. Amen. I hope you said. Do you feel hard pressed but not crushed? Perplexed but not in despair? Persecuted but not abandoned? Struck down but not destroyed? Do you? Clearly from what his writing says, that's how Paul felt. If you feel like that, it may actually mean that you are living out the gospel because that is what being a servant of Jesus Christ is often like. It is a spiritual battle against the forces of evil and it is not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to make us feel comfortable, etc., etc. It's a spiritual battle where we have to fully rely on the treasure that is within us, which is what we preach. In verse 13, Paul quotes from Psalm 116, I believed, therefore I have spoken. This psalm is a psalm that is about the things that Paul has written about in those verses I've just referred to. Verses 8 and 9, and in verse 3 of, us, of Psalm 116, we read this, the, the traps of death were around me, the pangs of the underworld grabbed me, I was troubled and bitter. Paul would have known scripture well, and this psalm fits perfectly with Paul's situation at the time of writing this letter. In verse 10 of the, the psalm, following on from the verses of suffering and God coming to the psalmist's rescue, the psalmist writes, I remained faithful. And so, I spoke. And Paul here in his letter echoes that. Following his verses of the suffering he had felt, almost dragged down by the underworld, he writes, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Through it all, Paul remained faithful. Through it all, Paul believed. He trusted. He kept going. He continued to pray. He continued to be thankful to God because he knew God would also remain faithful to his promises. And again, to quote Tom Wright, Paul was keen that the end result would be more people arising to the living God. If you believe, speak. Speak about your experience of your personal saviour. Show it in how you live your life, your interactions with people, your priorities. If you believe, speak so that the end result is that more people will arise to the living God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. All we are is messengers errand runners for Jesus. We have therefore a responsibility to open the eyes of those blinded by the God of this age by allowing the treasure that is within, within these clay jars, to speak so that we preach Jesus Christ as all, as Lord as Lord of 
all. That is the mission of the church. That is what we exist for. In all we do, we preach Jesus Christ as Lord, as Lord of all. So this morning, will the clay jars that are gathered around their screens be prepared to once again say, for thy mission make me holy, for thy glory make me thine, sanctify each moment fully, fill my life with love divine. For we've been called from the byway to proclaim thy wondrous love. We've all been placed on the highway that to all people we may prove there is mission in our living, there is meaning in our words, Saviour in our daily striving. May this message yet be heard. Brinley Boone, who wrote these beautiful words, challenges us in verse 2 with these words. Have we lost? Have we lost the sense of mission that inspired our early zeal when the fire of thy commission did our dedication seal? Let us hear thy tender pleading. Let us see thy beckoning hand. Let us feel thee gently leading as we bow to thy command. Lord, release that latent passion which in us has dormant lain. Recreate a deep compassion that will care and care again. Needy souls are still our mission. Sinners yet demand our love. This must be our life's ambition. This alone our heart shall move. Will you say this morning, for thy mission make me holy, for thy glory make me thine, sanctify each moment fully, fill my life with love divine. Did you catch something that Luke said earlier? I wrote it down. Could we, could we, could we, could we change the world? Could we? Because with God, anything is possible. What's your response going to be this day? Are you again going to commit to using your clay jar to share the treasure that is within? Respond this morning as you, you wish, as we listen to a beautiful piano solo of those words. Quietly where you are, you may want to raise a hand. You may want to push an emoji up the screen. You may want to comment. You may want to reiterate a line from the song that we're just about to listen to. But as we listen, I invite you, most importantly, to respond. To respond to the Lord this morning. As he says, for thy mission, make me holy. Thank you.